0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and swrc.com. God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Today, Steve Deal continues sharing his amazing story of God's mercy and grace from the other side of the globe, and Larry Stam will help us effectively share our faith. Friends, we are only one day away from our first event of the new year. This Friday and Saturday, February 16th and 17th in the Tampa Bay, Florida area, Donald Perkins will answer the question, Is America in Bible Prophecy? We'll also find out the latest details on the march toward a one-world system. Biblical mysteries will be uncovered. And you'll learn how to have true spiritual victory in the invisible war on the saints. Biblical artifacts from Israel will be on display with an archaeologist ready to answer your questions. Friday and Saturday. February 16th and 17th, that's tomorrow and Saturday, at Hicks Road Baptist Church. Call 1-800-652-1144 or visit the events page at swrc.com. Tickets for this special event are free, but seating is limited and filling up fast. So don't be left behind. Make sure you register today. 1-800-652-1144. Now... Here is Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill with today's guest Steve Deal.
1: Hello there. This is Kenneth Hill. I'm president of SWRC and I'm delighted to be with you today on the radio. On this our Watchman on the Wall broadcast. We're talking with author Steve Deal about his book Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith. My Vietnam memoir. And this is a good book for you. If you want to know what Vietnam was like from one person's perspective, it'll be there for you. If you want to know what it's like to be saved, you'll get that from this book as well. If you want to know the memoirs of Steve Deal, a missionary in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia, Then you just get this book and you will have the information that you need. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, this Vietnam memoir by Steve Deal. Steve, welcome back to the microphone. Well, thank you, Ken. It's always good to be with you, my friend. It's always good to be with you. And here we have the opportunity to have a second day of conversation concerning the book and concerning how folks can get it. And before we get any further, I'll say this. Anybody that wants the book can purchase it from Southwest Radio Church Ministries. You can call our 800 number, 1-800-652-1144. That's 800-652-1144. Or you can go online at swrc.com and purchase the book from the very website, and that'll be a good thing for you. So we're excited about that. Now, Steve, this is your first book, and you've got others in the works, and we know that God's going to bless all of these. But when you wrote the first part of this book, that was a shocker for you, wasn't it? It was a hard thing to do. None of us like to tell on ourselves, and especially when we've come to faith in Christ, we really don't want to talk about the bad us, how bad we were, how sinister we were before we came to Christ, do we?
2: That's for sure, Ken. I didn't tell the depths of the sin I was in or even the foolish things that I did that I'm ashamed of. I just told enough that people would get the general idea of what kind of shape I was in and why my mother prayed for me constantly while I was there. I can imagine. And I wrote a poem. There's a poem at the end of the book that I wrote for her after I got saved because, like I said in the earlier interview yesterday, that mom was a CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship missionary. Many times she would be out in the yard teaching children, when I come home from high school, sometimes even drunk from high school, she would be in the yard with a group of children, teaching them the Bible. Here, her own son was was a drunkard. She taught, and we moved, I mentioned yesterday, we moved back and forth to Louisiana four different times to South Louisiana, and we lived on a plantation, and she would This was back, if you remember, Ken, and you're almost old enough to remember, you're almost my age, I think. I can't remember which one of us is older. Back in the 60s, during the riots, she would have a, dad said, you're going to get a skill, Dorothy, because she would always have a carload of little black children. She would go out to these plantation homes, and she would teach the workers on the plantation and be teaching the little children about Jesus. You know, her own son was getting kicked out of high school. Uh, I was always in fights, drinking. I didn't really take drugs, just alcohol mostly, and of course smoking and everything else. And mom prayed for me for so many years. But I know it must have been heartbreaking for her to be teaching children the Bible and her own son is on his way to hell. And so, as I said yesterday, she sent me tracks every letter she had sent. As a matter of fact, one of my one of my drinking buddies got saved because he over in Vietnam. He, his mother didn't write him. He was from Waco, Texas, and his mother didn't write him. But my mom wrote me every day. She would seldom write him, and she just didn't, wasn't a writer, I guess. And he said, I never get any letters. So I said, just read mine and pretend you're mom. And so he would read my letters from my mother, and, and she would always put tracks, and he would say, What's this pamphlet in there? I said, Oh, it's a track. He, he said, can I read it? I said, I'm sure she'd appreciate it. So he got saved and, and he stopped drinking with me. I, I lost a, a drinking buddy for a while till he backslid and then we drank, he drank with me again. It wasn't good. And he was with me up until I left. I mentioned him in the book. It was pretty bad the things I did. And so I didn't want to tell to the depths of it, but I've done some very foolish things. And sometimes I think, boy, I thought I was smarter than that, you know, look back and say, why did I do something that crazy, you know? Did you
1: have to go through jump school to be a person on that helicopter?
2: Not to be a crew chief, but I did go to jump school. I went to Fort Benning. The main reason, if you went to jump school, you got $60 more. I made $96 a month when I went to Vietnam. When I got first got in the Army, I was making $96 a month. If I went to jump school, they paid us an extra, I think it was $60, I'm not sure if that's correct, a month if we were on jump status. My brother told me I was crazy. I have one brother, Sonny. We were both drafted. I was drafted just after I graduated from Sullivan High School there in Kingsport, Tennessee. That's where I graduated from. And I uh, worked for an electric company for just a, a few months, and I got my draft notice. Sonny got his and he let them draft him, but I said, man, I don't want to be a ground pounder. So I went down and enlisted, but they told me if I took a test, because I'd worked a few months as a an as electrician's helper, not even an A. I was an electrician's helper. I told them I wanted to be an aircraft electrician, but it, it turned out to be an aircraft mechanic. I did go to a school for it up in Fort Eustis, Virginia, before I went to Vietnam. They said, the only place you can go here is Vietnam. I said, let's go. So I put in for it but then it didn't my orders didn't come in for about six months so it was summertime and it was beautiful I couldn't believe how beautiful it was grass was a dark green the sky was na- navy blue and it was gorgeous and I said what a beautiful country so everything I asked for I got I got to Vietnam and they put me in a plush unit in Cameron Bay and, and actually I was in s3 taking the orders every night of men who were killed they didn't in Vietnam you know it was it was guerrilla warfare. First time we'd ever fought anything like that. You didn't know who the enemy was. Basically, you know, when you, there's a war, you take property, you push real estate, you know, you push to get a front line, and then you push it. Well, that didn't happen in Vietnam. Everybody, your girlfriend could be your enemy, the guy that shines you, the kid that shines your shoes, or the guy that's pouring your drink could be the enemy. You don't know who the enemy was. We didn't know, we didn't know anything, you know. That's just the way it was over there. I didn't know what was going on. So I just was there in the uh, S3 unit, and and I had my own office. I had my own Jeep. And every morning, I would go up and brief the company commander, the base commander, how many people had been killed. So they were just taking The success was by body count, not by, like I said, land mass. It was by body count. So I'd go up there, and I'd get all the reports in that morning, early that morning, and then I would go up there and brief him and I had a plus job, but but, uh, I had to say, no, I want to be where the war is. So they sent me to another place, and that's where I spent the rest of the war there as a crew chief and door gunner there in uh, in the train. It was ironic that I was able to come back to that place, I don't remember how many years, 20-some years later, and teach in the underground church in that very town where I had been a soldier, had been a drunken soldier. That was the most awesome thing. But I did something incredibly foolish there. I uh, tell it in the book and it's just I'm so embarrassed. I did something it, it's gotta be the dumbest thing anybody could have ever done.
1: Now before you tell uh, us before you tell us, we're talking to Steve Deal about his book. His book is called Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, and it's his Vietnamese memoir when he was in Vietnam serving Uncle Sam. Steve Deal is the author. He's also the fellow that we're talking with, and we're delighted to be talking with him. He is a missionary in the Philippines, and he's busy, busy, busy over there in addition to other places that he's busy in as well. Tell us about this poor choice of yours there in Vietnam.
2: Oh, I'm ashamed to. Maybe they need to read the book. This choice actually got me was arrested this is when i was teaching in the underground church i had taught there for many years going from the philippines here flying from manila into saigon or they call it ho chi Minh city now i was working with the underground church there by myself i had two partners they were both individual missionaries we were not connected with any group or boards So we could work uh, as freelance missionaries in there doing that. So if we got in trouble, it was just us. We didn't get any group in trouble. So the missionary had been there 14 years before and planted 28 house churches. So we were working with the remnants of those house churches. Most of the pastors had been killed or put in prison when the uh, North Vietnamese overrun uh, Saigon there in 1975 and they took over. We went in, and this man who was a missionary had been there 14 years and planted these churches. He was now stationed in the Philippines. He actually brought 52 Vietnamese out on his passport when Saigon fell and brought them here to a refugee camp here in the Philippines. And he spoke both fluent Vietnamese and fluent Tagalog. And so he asked me if I would go over there, if he would set it up, if I would go over there and teach. So I did. Several times uh first we would we would take Bibles, our suitcase full of Bibles into Vietnam and get them into there because they didn't have Bibles when we met with them. They didn't have Bibles, they had notes is all they had they never had Bibles back then and I was surprised how many would come to Saigon when we first started going in, they wouldn't allow us to go outside of Vietnam now that you can go anywhere you can travel all over Vietnam, but at first, they wouldn't let us go outside of Vietnam, any foreigners. So we tried to teach. It was pretty risky for them. We weren't sure what would happen to us. Uh, we just stayed in little small hotels. When I say hotel, you'll probably get the wrong picture in your mind. It was a house above another house. It was about four stories with one, one room straight, one above another one, you know, maybe 10 by 12, just little hotels like that. We stayed there for like $7 a night. We would start meeting with them. at. The, we'd find a safe house. They'd have a safe house ready. And they would come and pick me up about 4.30 in the morning, and I'd jump on the back of a motorbike and ride through the streets and the back alleys of Saigon until I got to the place where the safe house was. And then I would teach with the underground church there. I would take what Bibles I had brought with me, but they didn't have Bibles. I'd take Vietnamese Bibles, and they didn't have Bibles. We would loan them those Bibles, and after we got through, I would teach for a week, 12 hours a day. Uh, we would get there at 4.30 in the morning, and we would teach until 4.30, 5 o'clock, and then we'd wait till it got dark before we left uh, to go home. We would break one time for lunch, which was about an hour. We would eat just whatever. They were all set on the floor. There's no furniture in the room except there was a little folding chair where I sat and just teach. I don't think I could do it anymore. At this age, not sure how I did it back then. I was a lot younger for sure. What I was teaching was Firm Foundation's Creation to Christ, which was from New Tribes Mission that they used here in the Philippines, which was a pre—it was actually a forerunner for the story of hope that Good Soil is using. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's teaching the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You can go to goodsoil.com, good, G-O-O-D-S-O-I-L.com, and you'll see what I'm talking about. They have excellent material. I've used it to plant churches here in the Philippines. And we taught it very well, and they loved it. So I did the first translation. I raised $5,000 and translated uh, from Foundations, Creation of Christ, which belonged to, at the time, New Tribes Mission and from Sanford, Florida. And I got the copyright for it and printed 1,000 copies on the underground press there in Vietnam. We didn't have a 1,000 people uh, that was studying with us. They buried most of them and had to dig them up later and, and use them. But they took them out. The printer said, you have to get them out of my shop as soon as they're printed, as soon as you pay for them. And I sent the money, and we we had to get them out and and move them. And then another missionary printed a second printing of that. But now we have printed the story of hope in Vietnamese and in Burmese. I teach also in the underground church of Burma or Myanmar. And we're just doing a new printing up in Hanoi. I've been up there, and actually we're probably going over there in the next few months or so to teach. We're getting ready to print the second printing of the story of hope in Vietnamese, which is more uh, the the North Vietnamese style. It's going to be more of a street language, which it is. It should be anyway. It's a a book to learn how to understand the Bible, starting in Genesis, going through Genesis and the, the key stories of the Bible, 20 in the Old Testament, 20 in the New Testament are key events, I should say, not just stories, but key major events, Abraham, Moses, and different things like that, why God did what he did, and why some people, even Christians, some Christians will even not be able to understand why did Jesus have to shed his blood. That's very important to know why why he did that, and it's hard for some people to understand. I've had a man tell we family one time, but uh, I say that I don't understand why a man dying 2,000 years ago has anything to do with me. So to be able to relate to that, a lot of people say they know Jesus, and they have Jesus, and they love Jesus, and he's my Savior. Every one guy say, you know, I love Jesus. He's my Savior. He died on the cross, rose again. And it sounds good. It sounds like he's saved, but the man also in the same breath said, but I don't believe one word in the Old Testament. Well, the Old Testament is the credentials for the New Testament. It's the credentials of Christ. I mean, I've got credentials of Passport. And a birth certificate and and a driver's license to prove who I am, that I'm Stephen Deal. Jesus had credentials, and a lot of people said they were Jesus. How do we know that he was the Christ? Because he fulfilled over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is proof that the New Testament is true. Of course, you know this, Ken. I'm just talking, I'm just going on. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, So we did that. We taught that over there for years. and, And like I said, God has been has been so good to us, but I did get arrested there in nineteen ninety six I was teaching up in the man I was working with Walter was here in the Philippines. the other man was working uh, as an English teacher in the Saigon University. and so those two set set this meeting up with me, and we thought when it opened up for us to travel outside of Saigon because it had been so dangerous for them to to meet inside of Saigon, they would try to come down and And so many of them would come. It was too many, and it was too crowded. I remember one time I taught in a room with thirty believers. We were locked in this room, no windows. All the windows was boarded up, and there was one little fan on me, and it was over 100 degrees, probably 115 degrees. It was really hot, and we taught all day for seven days, 12 hours a day. And the first day, I went around the room and started asking them through my interpreter, "Have you ever been persecuted for your faith?" And I could not believe that almost every person in that room had either been put in jail, had been either physically harmed, or had their churches shut down and, and everything taken away. It was every person in there. and I thought, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? There are greater Bible teachers than me. I mean, I know less than anybody. And it should be, how did I get selected for this job? And I really believe in my heart, I felt God saying, you know, you made yourself available. And I think that's really all it needs, Ken, is for people to make themselves available for God to use. And that's all I've done. It's not because I'm smart. I didn't write this book because I'm smart. I'm educated and all this stuff. I'm not. I'm not. And my wife don't like for me to say that, but I'm really not. I got through high school. I got a degree in criminology. I graduated from Tennessee Temple and their Bible school. But I just like telling people about Jesus. And it's uh, easy to understand when you study the Bible— from Genesis to Revelation, study it chronologically, and you can get all the doctrines. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to study it that way. If, if somebody would just take the Bible and never and didn't have any background in anything and started reading, it, they and and understood could be guided, and that's all that the Story of Hope is. It's a guide. It's an outline from Genesis to Revelation with 20 Old Testament key events and 20 New Testament key events, and it fits together. I've had so many people say it's like. It's like putting a hand in the glove. And right now, Ken, we have our church here. We The last time we counted, we were teaching 41 times a week. That's no less than an hour for each lesson, each Bible study. And some are groups like children. We teach children. When we go teach children, if you see uh, on the, the post I do on Facebook, anybody wants to be my Facebook friend, it's Steve Deal, Missionary Steve Deal. Or by the way, Ken, I forgot to tell about my website. The best way to get a hold of me, if, if I can say this, is uh, redemptionranch.org. And it'll tell you all about our, our church plants, about our camp, the uh, Redemption Ranch cabo Camp, and everything that we've done here in the Philippines where we have minister these children and tell them about Jesus. And it's amazing what they can learn. You would not believe what children can learn. And if you, we need to get them grounded in the Word of God. And we start in Genesis 1-1. I I honestly believe that somebody cannot be saved unless they believe that. I mean, how can you be saved you don't believe Jesus is God? Because he was our creator, the Bible tells John 1-1. And to accept the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So if we start with that, then you can build upon that. You understand? God is our creator. He made us. We sinned against him. The sin brought forth death. But Jesus came to this earth to take our place on the cross, pay for our sin debt with his blood, which is the only acceptable way of coming to God, that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. In Leviticus, it says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we can be saved through Jesus' blood, what he shed his blood on the cross and rose again the third day. So we can have eternal life through faith in him. It's very simple by trusting him. But like I said, some people, when you say Jesus, they don't know that who you're talking about. This guy that said he didn't believe the Old Testament, he, he didn't believe that Jesus is God. You have to understand that the Jesus that you're talking about is the God in Genesis 1-1 who created everything. There's only one God manifesting three persons, and God himself came to this earth to die on the cross in our place. Three personages of God, the, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, for sure. God came here to this place. His name was Emmanuel, God with us. So, you understand what I'm saying? So, that's what we teach in Vietnam. It works so well, and these Vietnamese were so it just loved it. But when I had to take those Bibles back, it was so hard to do. They didn't want to let go of those Bibles. But I said, I'll try to get more Bibles when I come the next time, but I can't. I'm teaching another group next week. I've got to have these Bibles to teach them. And so, they would cry sometimes when you would take the Bibles away from them, but anyway now thank God there's there's Bibles there now for them today uh, two thousand twenty four they can get Bibles, and certainly you can get them anywhere around the world, I believe anywhere you know you can get them digital or whatever. Go We're ahead.
1: talking with Steve deal, Steve has written the book Echoes of War: Whispers of Faith, and it's his Vietnam memoir. It is available through our offices. You can call us at 1-800-652-1144, or you can go online at swrc.com and get the book in that fashion. We're going to uh, stop here, Steve, and hopefully, by God's grace, we'll be together tomorrow to uh, finish up our trifecta, or as you call (laughs) it, uh, what did you call it? The trilogy, yes. The trilogy is what we're doing. Echoes of war, whispers of faith. This Vietnam memoir continues by God's grace tomorrow at this same time. God is still
0: on the throne and prayer changes things. Brother Steve Deal will conclude his story of God's grace and mercy on our next program. Friends, let me encourage you to pick up a copy of the brand new book, Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, my Vietnam memoir by Steve Deal. This amazing story of God's mercy and grace spans the course of half a century. The story begins with a reckless young soldier in the Vietnam War. 22 years later, he returns as a missionary to the underground church, only to be arrested as a suspected CIA operative by the communist authorities. After nearly two weeks of interrogation and detainment, he was expelled and blacklisted. The authorities warned if he ever returned to Vietnam, he would be imprisoned. However, 14 years later, he received a call from the U.S. Embassy in Saigon. Someone had been searching for him for four decades. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith will truly encourage your faith and warm your heart. Order your copy of Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, today when you call one 800 652 1-800-652-1144. That's 1 800 652 1144. Or you can order this outstanding book on our website, swrc.com. This book makes an excellent gift for a family member or a friend. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, My Vietnam Memoir by Steve Deal. 1 800 652 1144. Larry Stamm comes now with some practical counsel on how you and I can effectively and without fear share our faith with family and friends. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you are joining us
2: as we continue the teaching series, Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. In our last couple of lessons, we've introduced the idea of the evangelistic toolbox we have unpacked. Use the Word of God in your witness. It does not, cannot, and will not return void. Rather, it will accomplish His plans and purposes. Friends, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. As we talk specifically in this lesson about using the Word of God in your witness, next
0: time we're going to talk about specifically another tool in our evangelistic toolbox namely the gospel message and until next time friends the lord richly bless you and keep you shalom today in our resource spotlight we are featuring the brand new book echoes of war whispers of faith by steve deal echoes of war whispers of faith will encourage you and truly warm your heart order your copy of echoes of war whispers of faith today When you call 1-800-652-1144 or you can order on our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. This book makes an excellent gift for a family member or friend who needs to be reminded of God's faithfulness and love. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith by Steve Deal. 1-800-652-1144 Tomorrow, Steve Deal will conclude his amazing story of God's grace and mercy. So be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by downloading our SWRC mobile app. You can always subscribe to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit SWRC.com.